This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Day of the Triffids, episodes one and two. It's Wednesday, May the 12th. Yesterday was Tuesday, May the 11th, and only one night passed since then, and everything was normal then. (gasps) The sky's just full of shooting stars. Is it to do with last night? You saw it, I suppose. I must have been the only person that didn't see it. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast about homicidal botany. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I did it again. As soon as you started talking, I went, oh no, I don't have anything that's real. <laughs> well, I don't know why I can't remember. Don't change it now. I mean, why, yeah. why, sh- why change it now? After nearly a hundred of them, I can't remember what's real. You've never, you've never had anything real <laughs> ever happen to you? <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, what is happening is we are starting a new series this week, Day of the Triffids. Mm-hmm. And uh, to kick us off, we're joined by a guest, Nico. Welcome aboard. Hi, guys. Uh, happy to be here. Just uh, keeping it real, you know? Oh, he's keeping it real. Yes. This guy so it's, This guy gets mm-hmm. it. It's our British guest for our British series. Well, he's uh, you sold him to me as our Triffid expert. Yeah. There are many across the UK. Well, it's, it's it's really quite a wide speciality. You're the only one that we know of, uh, British person, I mean. So, <laughs> so we're glad to have you here for this series. Thank you. Yeah, my, my accent might just waft right in the middle of understandability. and uh, Just like niche. me watching the show. I'm like, what's mm. that guy's name? I don't know. I can't understand his accent. In the first episode, they didn't even mention the guy's name, do they? No. the guys. I just kept hearing him th- them mention this doctor's name. I'm like, Simo? Simcoe? <laughs> What's this doctor's name? Well, it's funny because uh, it's Dr. Soames. And <laughs> there's a guy called Nicholas Soames who's like very famous in the UK for being a rabidly conservative politician and like morbidly obese and just generally <laughs> kind of like Rob Ford before Rob Ford, but also with a British accent and aristocratic. So I, I was enjoying that quite, quite enormously. So it, was a, it was a good uh, inside joke for you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. See, that's why you're here. You're here to point out all the inside baseball we don't get. (laughs) Yes, 80s British political references. Well, speaking of David Triffids, um, I'll start with you, Jordan. Uh, Did you know anything about this going on? Nothing. Actually, I know more of it just from having conversations with Nico in the office beforehand, mentioning that we're doing this show, because I embarrassingly didn't know anything about this. And And doing a little bit of research, I realized... It's much, much bigger than I thought it was. Not particularly this series, but the book and the culture and the fan base behind it. Yeah, this is all brand new to me, too. Um, and I also kind of, well looking into it, was just like, oh, there's, a, there's been a few remakes of this, actually. I mean, this mm-hmm. is in itself kind of a remake. But uh, it, Nico, can you explain to us the fascination behind Triffids? I, I don't know if there's a fascination per se, but it, it, you know, growing up, it was. You were aware of the series, though. Oh, absolutely. Well, more more so the book than the okay. series. Uh, the book is kind of on a par with War of the Worlds in the UK as kind of being a household name of a story. Okay. Yeah. So, so is it like something you're forced to read in high school. Uh, I didn't read that one. I we were forced to read different Wyndham novel, which is it's very similar. It's wait, there's more novels. There's more, yeah, and they're all post-apocalyptic. That's kind of. His I was hoping niche. everyone was just a different plant. That was his thing. He like no matter what the, the publishers like, just something different. He's like, no, it's plants or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this is your fantasy, though. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting character of the series. But before we get into it, um, let's sort of talk about it. Broadcast on BBC One, 
between September 10th and October 15th, 1981. As I do, I looked into sort of the history around what was going on in the world when this was airing. But in this particular case, I looked at British history. Hmm. And it's just between this little uh, six weeks or whatever? Yeah, the little window where this this show uh, was airing. And what was happening in Britain during that period was... uh, Two series started, which I don't know how famous they are, really, but uh, apparently they're big in uh, the UK, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, first episode of Postman Pete aired. I like Postman Pete. I, I, yes, yes, I live for Postman Pete, 100%. So that was happening during this Triffid series, and uh, the first episode of Danger Mouse also aired. Oh. I loved Danger Mouse. <laughs> I loved it. It, was, it wasn't it was so much daytime TV. It was just like every once in a while, the Danger Mouse theme tune would come on and I would lose my six-year-old mind. What is the Danger Mouse theme? On it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to bite on that little piece of hazing. Don't fall into that trap. Uh, and finally, Belize declared independence from the UK. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Belize broke free. Good riddance. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into episode one and talk about the Triffids here. Here's the IMDb summary for episode one. Bill, who works at a farm for deadly plants called Triffids, was temporarily blinded as one of, by one of them and is now in the hospital. The hour approaches for the bandages to come off, but a strange silence pervades the room. Uh, this is courtesy of Jace Berlin. I think that was more than we needed. Just like guy wakes up, bandages, what's happening? That's reckon, it. Do you recognize Jace Berlin's name? No. I think he's done stuff for us before. I really? I think so. Hmm. I couldn't check, though, because he's, he's written episode synopses for approximately 50,000 episodes. Oh, really? He's one of those guys? Yeah. Impossible for me to tell. Every day he's writing one and he's thinking people care. No one does. No one cares, Jay. I don't know. Get a life. You get so <laughs> mad at the people writing these summaries while you're doing this podcast. That's right. You're benefiting directly from his work. From him? From yes, his work? No, 100%. A man no. who's more succinct than we will ever be. No, no, no. I said it. Guy wakes up blind. He's like, what's up? Yeah. It's funny because on the drive here, I was listening to one of your episodes and I'm 99% confident the bio was again by Jay Jay Sperlin. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm absolutely sure we've come across him before. Yeah. Either way, him zero, me hero. <laughs> How's that for succinct? I don't know why he starts so many feuds on this podcast. <laughs> All right, you want to talk about this opening title sequence on this show? Yeah, I really like this opening. One, we get like, at first I didn't know what was happening. It's sort of um, a greenish blue, just really tight close up on someone's face and they're looking around confused and you have very ominous choir music happening and then it cuts to other people's faces and then it's like hey day the triffids but that's it that's the opening they don't explain anything yeah it's a good it's a very atmospheric i quite enjoy yeah. the uh, the little opening it it put me in the mood for whatever this show is going to be mm. <laughs> and uh the episode as is mentioned i think primarily focuses on a man named bill mason who's uh, waiting in his hospital bed to get his bandages off oh i forgot to mention one thing in the opening credits at the very end, when they're all looking up in the thing, a tentacle comes and smacks one woman in the face. That's true. You forgot about that. That was funny. It, it's funny because I, I missed it on the first episode, and then I saw the second episode, just like this woman getting smacked in yeah. the face. So I was like, oh, okay, that's a, that's a bit more and context. It, and it's uh, very indicative of what the uh, puppetry and special effects will be in this. Sort of just people hurling puppets at each other's faces. <laughs> that's good, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's honestly the most British-sounding television already. <laughs> But yes, uh, Bill's waking up. He's got bandage on his face. And what we're going to get is a lot of exposition this episode for the most part. Yeah. Which is done in a way, I I mean, it's very of the time, I guess. But I, it's been a long time since I've seen someone recording a voice memo into a tape recorder. 
for a friend. He's just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to send this to my friend Walter a little later. I'm just going to record a little voice memo. You See, I didn't realize for the longest time that he was doing it for someone. I thought he was just like, <laughs> well, I got, I got nothing else to do. So Dude, I think I'll just I, right? uh, talk to know, myself. Can you imagine though getting that? Like someone's like, hey, so I was in the hospital for a while. Here's uh, three hours of my thoughts. I'm like, yeah, I'll get to that later. Like, I, I realize it's pre-cell phone, but at the same time, Surely he's just going to see this guy and yeah, talk to him. You know, five hours or something like the bandages are about to come off. Although apparently yeah. Walter's been sending these to him as well because this is like a return message. Do you think when they get together, they just sit down and they put the tape recorder between them and just play and just stare at each other's face while the the, the recording plays? You think when he gets out, when he gets home, they're just mm-hmm. going to listen to it together? Yeah, sounds like my parents' marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and and sorry, what did that song sound like? Danger Mouse? What did it sound like? <laughs> You'll have to earn it. Right. Not yet. <laughs> All right. Um, but what we do come to learn about him is he, A, works at Triffid Farm and uh, was blinded by Triffid. That's yeah. why he's there. So it's not a good job working on the Triffid Farm. Not a good job. I mean, now, do you think he call, goes, goes by scientist or farmer? I don't think he's a scientist. I get the feeling he's a little more blue collar than that. I think laborer. That, yeah. <laughs> laborer? That's probably closer. That's probably closer. <laughs> And uh, he's going to quit being a Triffid farmer because he's tired of it. He's tired of all this Triffid nonsense. He's going to quit to raise potatoes and puppies, he says. Yeah, he said plant potatoes and breed puppies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's recording this for his, as we said, coworker Walter, who's going to write a book on Triffid. So he's going to provide him with, I think as he puts it, my theories and insights for your book. And this kind of sets up a series of flashbacks that I'm just going to run through these flashbacks with you guys. And we can just kind of talk about what we get. Because this is basically... I don't think I've ever seen this because they're all half-hour episodes. But I don't think I've ever seen an episode of television was like, "Here's a half-hour. It's all set up. He's not gonna. He's not gonna get into the bed. He's gonna be blind for 99% of this episode. At the end of it, that's when things are gonna start rolling." I'm not saying I disliked it. It was just like a weird way to set up a television program. Mm. Uh, our first flashback is to 1961, the office of the Euro- of European Oil, which I assume is some sort of petroleum company. It was not very clear to me. Do you think European Oil is a real company? I have no idea. No. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I was wondering if it was a government office, though, or something. Is it the Office of Petroleum? I don't know. But there seems to be some sort of Russian defector there. Is that who this guy is who's just smoking a big cigar? Uh, Palangas? 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 Sure. I wrote it down. (laughs) I think it was Palangas? The Russian Palangas. Palangas. Yeah, so we agree he's Russian, even though he doesn't have an accent. And also not a Russian last name, but I think they've implied he's Russian. Yeah, well, they say he's from behind the Iron Curtain, or at least he's, mm. he's received some sort of vegetable oil from behind the Iron Curtain. And what does the vegetable oil do? Why is the petroleum company so excited about vegetable oil? Yeah, they, they talk about it a lot throughout the episode about how this Triffid oil is just like crack for whatever purpose they're using it for, but they never explain beyond that. Yeah, there's, there's some indication it like Im- improves. I, I wrote it down here. Where is it? It's like, oh, it causes energy savings? And I was just like, what does, that, what does that mean? I think you just wave your hand over it. You just know that there's a new plant, new oil, everyone's excited. That's all you really need to know, you know? <laughs> it does have, we are told it has extraordinary properties. Yeah. Very extraordinary properties. Well, what do you got? You got your, you got your lubrication. You got, uh... What are you talking your, about? Your, vegetable your, oil or petrol oil? <laughs> just oil. You got cooking. your, uh, cooking. That's a good use. I like, you got to lubrication and ran out of options for oil. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I'm hoping, I was staring at your blank face. I was hoping something would come. You got your, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever they use oil for, the kids. <laughs> it's funny you say cooking oil because, uh, he mentions later that 
the oil is better if they ma- maintain the venomous sting in the triffid plant. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I'm like, so using it as cooking oil, just like that extra spice of you know, mm. danger. That's probably in what the it is. Pan, yeah, yeah. A, little ta- a little taste advantage on those uh, triffid oil. But this uh, oil addict, he's very interested in uh, getting the seeds to make these plants and to cultivate them himself, because they're from some crazy Russian scientist. They say there's rumors of a Russian scientist on the other side of the wall who's like experimenting with things that so this is kind of some loose thing to be like where are these plants from what's going on he'll pay him 10 million pounds plus a percentage of the profits just to get these seeds that's a man who wants some seeds it's uh these are gonna be big business but before uh before they can ever get the seeds the man or the russian uh, the russian expat he goes missing and this is kind of a weird this is a very strange flashback because it doesn't involve bill Bill's like recounting an event mm-hmm. he was never at. It's kind of like I guess this is just hearsay he's heard over over the years as to like the first mention of Triffids. It is weird because they they use the vehicle of the flashback throughout this whole episode, but not all of them are flashbacks. Like this one, it's just like, well, yeah, is he, he's just he's just telling a story to his friend in a tape recorder. But other times it is his memories. But it's like it's clearly just. They have backstory they're trying to get through, and so I mean, this, is, this is what they chose. If you think this is happening in like 1980s, like here's the first backstory is from 1961 from a meeting between a petroleum executive about some oil, some plant oil. It is like a really long con because then they mention that he this guy went missing, and Bill has a theory that he was shot down in a plane, and then all the seeds scattered scattered to the wind. But no one backs this theory up. Like it's just it's just Bill's idea of how this happened. But this is his idea of how Triffid seeds kind of got into the wild. So do you think he's just made all this up? He's telling a story of something he's just. Well, he does say these are his theories, and we've established he's some, some sort of laborer. He's just kind of like this. His best guess is from the little he's mm. read. The little he's read. I don't <laughs> think he doesn't come across as a dumb guy. I mean, no, but you just think that because he's a beard like you. Mm, one, his beard is better than me, and two, I think it's a sign of intelligence. <laughs> no? no, not in the slightest. <laughs> Flashback two, we see Bill Mason as a small boy encountering his first triffid in his daddy's backyard, and we get the first look at the triffid. What do you all think of it? It's the best. I love it so much. Nico, do you want to describe what a triffid looks like in this version? Do you I love mean, it? Do you love what a triffid looks like? Oh boy, it looks. <laughs> it looks like. Uh, I'm blanking on what the wood is. The thing, you know, the HMV logo. Oh, no, no you, you know, you know, like those oh, old, like a viola. Or no, like not a, like the. No, like the like the original vinyl recorders where they came out oh, with the, the horn. It's not viola. It's um. It's the stereophone or something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the the RCA label. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah logo. Yeah. So I yeah I imagine it looks like if the demi gorgon from Stranger Things. Exactly. I, I imagine what it. is it? It's like a. It's the. Jordan sound. just showed us a photo of the logo. <laughs> I, love, I love showing, <laughs> but photos not the wood on an audio uh, audio podcast. The, it's I don't know whatever the horn is. The horn. The sound horn. That's what we're talking about. It has it has <laughs> that sort of uh, cocoon sort of. Uh, yeah, I thought it kind of looked a little bit like a pitcher plant too, like the carnivorous plants that flies fly into. Yeah, yeah. but it's tall. It's at least what four or five feet. Yeah, four or five, maybe six. They get pretty big. I think it's tall because it's taller than well, they say any actually, other people. Seven to eight feet. Tall. Oh, yeah. seven to eight feet. Okay. Yeah. It's got a pretty thick stem. Got a little stem. It's got little uh, roots on the bottom that it can use for locomotion. Yes, and they, and they point out these little lumps that point upwards as well, mm-hmm. which look like little stumpy mushrooms. That's yeah. exactly what I thought. They yes. Like. Yeah. Yeah, and they click. They click on the side of the uh, stem. 
stem is that right yeah they, they tap they got little tapping sounds they make mm. and inside of it there's like a what's it called i had to look up a plant biology because i don't remember any of it from school it's just the uh, it's like a little little pistol that comes out of a flower but this one is uh extendable mm-hmm. it has about a 10 foot range on it because it can shoot out and sting you with its poison this is where the poison is located in this little like tongue basically yeah. and i like uh because what what we learn is you know uh the dad the dad and the son are in their garden this plant has just shown up. I don't know how he hasn't noticed this like seven foot plant show up. They sort of talk about it a bit and then he thinks it's evil, right? The kid thinks it's evil for no, some well, reason. No, well, he goes to the movies. Oh, that's what it was. He goes yeah, to the movies yeah. and sees a newsreel, a newsreel, a newsreel entitled One Over Eight in Ecuador. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Do you know what One Over Eight means? No. I had, I had to Google this. Do you know what One Over Eight means? No. It's an idiom for being drunk. Really? So I One th- Over Eight. And I think that's why when they're watching the newsreel, everybody in the movie theater is just laughing their asses off at these walking plants but i think that i think the joke of that scene is all these plants are wandering around ecuador and they look like drunks and isn't that the funniest thing you've ever seen really because they start showing all these plants and they're like ecuador is overrun by these weird plants that are just walking around on their own and the entire audience is just laughing it's the funniest thing they've ever seen you see i read that as if as if nobody was taking it seriously like they thought it was some exotic latino joke being played on the, the rest thing. of the world i thought just people did take it seriously it was like isn't that funny that's never gonna happen to us yeah i mean i maybe. think that might be something but I, I i because i've looked up what the term right. means i'm guessing that's a little hmm. piece of the puzzle because i was just like i don't fully understand why this is the funniest thing they've ever seen it's just plants walking around regardless the point is he sees these things that they're sort of violent plants well we don't even know they're violent yet they're just well, wandering around but don't in the newsreel don't they show like the people like like trying to burn them and stuff no no that's the next that's flashback. Later. Oh, the next that's flashback. later sorry i'm mixing yeah. up my 45 flashbacks <laughs> so anyways he goes back home decides he's gonna dig the thing up it doesn't like digging up and then attacks him in the worst shot accent action <laughs> sequence ever where the camera's so low that you don't actually see what's happening and then the kid has to go ah my face <laughs> and fall over and he's been hit and he's been poisoned he's been stung first yeah. person in the uk to be stung by uh yeah. by Triffid. what a claim to fame huh it also he thinks is the reason he's so resistant to their poison now mm-hmm. yeah so we mentioned before that he didn't think that he was a dumb guy but if the traumatic <laughs> if the traumatic memory of your childhood is being stung in the face being kicked to your deathbed by a walking plant my immediate reaction is not to then go back and work with walking plants he literally does say it's just like I knew it was my calling after I got stung in the face by one to go work at a terrific farm. I'm like, how? Yeah, yeah, like, oh, oh, this thing nearly killed me? Well, you know, let's dead death in the face and uh, just go for it, I guess. I think it seems logical. I mean, a spreadsheet did kill your father. Yeah, that's right. Now you work with spreadsheets all day. Yep, that's right. (laughs) Killed both my parents. But then the kid gets stung in the face and then his dad like stabs the thing to death and then we're back to old uh Did you like Bill. did you like when they smashed that trip into bits? It I did, good. yeah. It was yeah. all fibrous and, gross I like, well, and gooey. We, let's just say, none of the puppetry as it were, I guess, it doesn't look very good in this and it looks about as low budget as possible. However, I think it's aged about as well as like CGI from ten years ago. Like it doesn't look good, but whatever, who cares? Like, I don't it's think just it looks fun. bad. But what were you saying, Nico? Well, I was, uh, two things. So so one the dad hacks at it from the front, directly in front of the venomous stinger. <laughs> so this kid is, you know, getting smacked in the face by the venomous stinger for going at the th- roots Just from that. an angle. And he's like, nah. 
And then <laughs> get away uh, like a pissed off cat. But then as soon as the dad comes with this machete and starts hacking it down at the front, it's like, OK, well, you know, it's true. You really had the machete at the ready. Yeah. He's like, shit, you know, but he was all like, oh, there, that's my son <laughs> and so forth. Careful. <laughs> Careful. You're really out to make enemies. Tonight. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, this leads into our third flashback, which is the call of the Triffids. Right. OK. Because at this point, we start to learn the Triffids are all over the world. They're attacking people. They got stingers. We come to wh- what are we going to learn? They, we learn they're carnivorous. We know that they'll poison their victims, let them die, and then once they start to decompose, they will eat the victims. Okay. Now I have a question. Probably both of you caught this, and I didn't. What they say is basically they eat the rotting carcass of the human, right? Correct. But do they not need that to grow normally? And I. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't they, if you're not being fed humans, what are they growing on? I would assume they're eating like a squirrel mm. or maybe the, there's a lot of flies. So in you think mouths. they're like in the, in later when we see the Triffid farm, you think they're thrown in like rotten animals? Oh, I think once they start farming them a hundred percent, like it's just like, it's like mm. Jurassic Park. You just mm. put a cow in there or something. Mm. <laughs> the, the Jurassic Park of plants, I guess. Like, yes. yeah. Just stared at Nico until he said something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Break. But yes, this is where we see them burning down the plants. There's like a, almost a world extermination of them until someone finally like puts like the vegetable oil and the triffids together and realizes like, oh, these are the plants that make the thing that is magic that makes our things say energy savings. Everybody, I just assume petroleum companies like this is just a screed yeah. against mm-hmm. uh, against oil companies. And so this is when the triffid farms are, farms are started because hey, if we keep them under wraps. And it seems to go well because what we come to see in this next flashback is Bill working at this Triffid farm with his buddy Walter. And uh, they sort of start talking about keeping them. In, they're in pens. They're like kind of fenced off and they work in a kind of a laboratory. It looked like, have you seen Chernobyl? Yes. It looked like the like Chernobyl like command center. It mm-hmm. was like spinning wheels mm-hmm. and like. It's a very high tech farm. Is yeah. What it is. And him and Walter just start talking about like triffids in general like what they start talking about how like one of their co-workers wants to get their kid a triffid as a pet and like that's funny and like fun thing to do for a kid apparently like triffids are like pretty trivialized at this point well because they said they've been depoisoning them right yeah. so they're just they're just smacking you out a little bit it's, it doesn't it doesn't hurt yeah it's like a little pistol it's like how you took that uh stink stack out of that skunk you have as a pet <laughs> that's right <laughs> apparently they do make good little pet skunks sure why not i mean if you take out the one thing that's annoying about them <laughs> yeah you I know mean, well, yeah, but then it's just like sticking its ass at you the whole time. I don't know if they oh, they have to. They're like, hey. No, no, that's how I imagine it. Oh, 100%, yeah. You know, it's, it's a very flamboyant, very Pepe Le Pew from the start. <laughs> Pepe was a little bit rapier. Uh, watch those cartoons I think, I think more than a little bit. <laughs> he, had some, he had some issues. Yeah. yeah. Th- those are getting parental advisories yeah. nowadays. It's true. They haven't, they haven't brought him back. He's, he hasn't had a, a resurgence. No. All right, let's get back to Walter and Bill here. What else do we kind of learn about the Triffids in this scene is uh, they think, or at least Walter thinks, they're communicating. Bill thinks they're clicking because... He just thinks they're dumb animals right. or dumb plants. Like The, the general consensus is Walter's just like, I'm going to write this book because we have Triffids everywhere. Apparently there's been like no research done on them, and he's sure there's like some base level intelligence they have and that they might be communicating with these weird clicks you can constantly hear. Which is a nice little sound effect, actually, because later yeah. when we when we use them, you can always tell when a triffid's coming because you just hear some clacking coming. But there's sort of like this conversation about that. He's noticed anyway that triffids always go for the eyes. He wants to blind their victims, so he, spe- he suspects. Walter's very suspicious of the triffids. Would you, would you put two and two together, though? 
Like, do, wouldn't you just think like they're always just going through her face? You're a real Bill. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying. A real dumb Bill. If you notice a whole bunch of people were attacked in the face, I'd be like, oh, they go for your face. It's just very specific that he thinks it's the eyes. He's extrapolating a lot of information based on one thing. Is all I'm saying. I mean, he's writing his book. Well, I mean, if they're also feeding like pigs and squirrels to these things, then you know, surely they could see from like a range of heights. I'm just saying, it'd be one thing if the little, the little, uh, was it pistol? Yeah. If it came out and, like poked you in the eye, that'd be one thing. But it's sort of like slapping you across the face near your eyes. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know why I'm picking at this guy. You're real. Thing. You're real skeptic. Yeah. You're real, Bill. Yeah. I think they're just they're just harmless plants, is what I'm saying. You know, it's just random. I don't know why this hit me. Random crazy thought. I want to see a giraffe take on a triffid. Oh, that's a great idea. You know, just see, just like spit way up, see, see if it lands. I mean, they got this 10 foot tongue, so that might be enough. Depends how tall that uh, that giraffe is though. Yeah. Hey, Jordan, remember when you grew that inhuman giraffe neck? <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. Do the voice. <laughs> it was just, hey, I'm a giraffe. That was it. Right. That's the only voice it's I do. your character. Yeah, that's the character. Your running character now. <laughs> this brings us to the final of the flashbacks this episode. The night before when uh, Bill has his gauze on post post attack from the triffids mm-hmm. waiting for the next day when they're going to take it off first thing in the morning they promised him 7 a.m they're taking yeah, it 7 a.m and it's by the way it's now 7 50 right is that what he finds out well no this is the night before still oh it's the night before still because the nurse and doctor pop in to check on him they're like oh you're just missing it there's this great light show comets are flying through the atmosphere it's like happening all across the world it's amazing uh, and at least two people one person on the radio and the doctor himself refer- refers to it as like it's just it's just free entertainment yeah that's right they keep saying free <laughs> entertainment and i was like what is happening in england right now what entertainment are you having to pay for that they're so upset about and that they're like free entertainment free entertainment guys the tv license in england is highly controversial <laughs> you know <laughs> gotta get that free entertainment i i did i just noticed how many times people, i'm just like really weird they're worried about the price of entertainment but he's missing this, and uh, he's kind of learning that there's some sort of light show going on. This is kind of the final seed we need to know for his day, waiting in his bed for someone to come take his bandages off his face. You see, I, th- I thought that uh, him talking to the doctor and nurses was a flashback in and of itself. Uh, no, I think you're right. It yes, is, yeah. it is a flashback. I'm just sort of now taking us into the day where he's sitting in bed. He's like, start. he starts his tape recorder. He, he thinks it's the middle of the night because it's so quiet, but he's just like, when's someone going to come? And take off this these this gauze. Well, raise a point, you know, to both of you. Let's say so you're you're in, you're in a hospital. You've you've been blinded, and the person hasn't come to take your bandages off. How long are you waiting for you taking those bandages off? Are you taking them off right away, or are you just gonna sit there? I I would like to think I take them off right away, but I think probably it would be like six p.m. and I'd still have it on. I'd well, be like, they're gonna show up soon. They're gonna show up. I'd be seething with anger, but I wouldn't have done anything about it. So you'd just be stewing passive-aggressively, yes. yeah, blindly, yes. in a blind rage. Would you take it off? I think I'll just spam the nurse help me button for hours. Just keep keep pushing it, pushing it, Just keep pushing it. it, and then I might wander through the hallways. It's funny. I had this exact same thought, too. I was watching. I'm like, how long would I wait before mm-hmm. I take the bandages off? And they do scare Bill at some point, being like, if you take it off wrong, yeah. you're going to go blind again. Because that's the note I put. I'm like, why doesn't he just take it off? Like, he knows something's wrong. But then, yeah, they've scared him, going, if you take it off, like, you might just lose your eyes. It's like, well, I guess that's something. And I was just like, yeah, no, I would, I would just never take it off. And also, like, they show that he has no concept of what time it is because he's been listening. You know, he's been using the sounds to determine mm-hmm. what time of day it is, and everything's so quiet he, because of the apocalypse. That he's and he's really adapted to being blind very quickly. And he's only been, he's only been in this state for ten days. Yes, I, I was thinking that he he had become daredevil pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> he he daredevil yeah. up pretty quickly. Which is just interesting because later we'll see on the show, uh, they give blind people literally zero credit. <laughs> but for some reason, Bill is Daredevil like after 10 days. Yeah. yeah. 
But yes, after a while, he like yeah, he does get up. He wanders around. He screams for someone to bring his breakfast. He's just yelling down the hallway, nurse. Where's my breakfast? Uh, th- that's his top priority: is not getting the bandages off, but getting getting fed. He does. He does get very sad, and eventually, he, the, like the paranoia, paranoia kind of gets to him, and he finally does take these bandages off, and we get to see him sort of uh, explore, trying to figure out what's going on. And as he's wandering the empty hospital, he uh, bumps into the doctor from the previous night. And the doctor's like climbing the stairs. He's like, "Who's there?" And he's just like, "Doctor, it's it's me, Bill, from that room." And he's like, "Bill." You can see. I need to find a phone. And Bill, because Bill's been blind, technically for ten days, he does not pick up on the fact this doctor is clearly yeah. unable to see. Like this doctor is groping everything. You, you, mean, you mean how he's stumbling, like pulling himself up the stairs and like just waving his hand blindly? Haha. <laughs> and Bill's, Bill's just like, Doctor, what's wrong? What? Why are you doing that? What's what's happening here? The doctor finally has to yell. He's like, I'm blind. Can't you tell? Oh, Bill. Yeah, Bill. I think we can definitely say Bill's kind of a dumb guy. I don't know if he is. I'm still on the uh, the side of that he might be an intelligent man. I think he's, you know, your typical 70s, 80s British kind of wet l- middle class stereotype. Well, there's, I, it's not in this episode. Actually, no, it is right here. Because has, has he changed into clothes yet? No. Okay. So I'm going to ruin it for the next thing, though. The next episode is that I like that. It may be the end of the world. It's an apocalypse. You've just come out of the hospital. And what do you do? Suit and tie. I think that's what he came in with. But talking about his outfit, what I love is everyone in the world is blind. He's he, This has been established. He's figured this out. And what does he do? He's like the only guy who can see. He puts on aviators. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. He, I will give him this. When he changed out of that gown into that shirt tie and like jacket combo and put those glass, sunglasses on, mm. I'm like, yeah, all right. You look pretty good. Bill. He looks good. <laughs> you look good, Bill. Shape no one could enjoy it. but you Yeah, know. this is just for me. This is self-love, Bill says. But that's how the episode ends. Yeah, we get it. We get a cliffhanger cutaway to the empty Triffid pins at the farm, and we're mm-hmm. like, "Uh-oh, something's gone wrong." Mm-hmm. You see, that really caught me off guard because usually with a cliffhanger ending, there's you know a dun 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 or some music, but then it just it's been 25 minutes of exposition, and then it just ends. Yeah, just a hard yeah. cut to over. <laughs> it's and it's it, yeah. There's no like theme tune or anything it's just like something falls into water and okay it's the credits like yeah <laughs> i guess this is over but, but that'll be something we're gonna see i think in the next few episodes is that there's not gonna ever be a huge cliffhanger it's just gonna be kind of halfway through a scene They're like but didn't you like that scene don't you want to watch the next episode uh, yeah i mean they toy with a cliffhanger it's not like a hard cliffhanger though it's more like the chapter has ended and before they end it, they're like oh and trifids are trifids are loose They're like what <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm, i'll come back next week I guess it's a problem, though, because they're doing them in, like, half-hour chunks. So yeah. they really... I mean, I do appreciate it. I feel like they're speeding through as much of the story yeah, as they the, can The get. reason there is so much exposition is because they're just... They want to get through this as fast as possible, which I'm fine. Like, great. It's an episode set up. Now we're all set up and good to go. That's true. All right. Let's get into the IMDb summary for part two. Are there people on the streets? No, it's it's eerie. It's almost totally quiet. Oh, that won't last for long. What do you mean? Tut. Everybody will be like us at first. They won't know what's happened. They'll be too frightened to move. And then they'll get hungry. And they'll start looking for food. I mean, this town's nasty at the best of time. Two or three days, it won't be just hooligans. There'll be people you thought butter wouldn't melt be killing each other for scraps of food. Bill leaves the hospital to learn that everyone in the area, perhaps everyone in the world, has gone blind. He and anyone else who didn't see the comet the previous night are the exceptions. Meanwhile, the Triffids are attacking. 
That was also courtesy of Jace Berlin. Yeah, I think it was a little too long again, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell you to do your job of, you know, sitting in your parents' basement writing your reviews of your movies, but a little too long. <laughs> <laughs> this is outrageous. Is it outrageous? This is outrageous. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> just just poking him. <laughs> or or her, I guess. No, Jay's a guy's name, I guess. It's just J Dot. It was J Dot? Could be Jillian. Ooh, yeah, either way. It is mysterious. <laughs> There's nothing mysterious about this person. You're you going to get an angry tweet at you at some point. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> it, we, that's happened. Um, <laughs> this picks up right where it left off. He shows this doctor to a phone. Phones don't work. So he goes to wander around the hospital. And we kind of get to see like a little bit of a zombie scene where these blind people are groping around a hallway trying to find their way. Find some dude with his leg in traction who, also, who can see. He appears to be unaffected by it. But he just kind of like leaves the man there. <laughs> Well, the guy's kind of pissy at him. Yeah, that is true. He's, he's just a bit like, of a jerk. yeah, he like sees the guy and he's the guy's just not nice. He's like, all right, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants his breakfast like anyone else. He's like, pull the curtain and he looks over and there's a dead person on the floor and he's like, this is uncomfortable. I think we're gonna go now. <laughs> uh, good luck. Yeah. Now, would you clean up the dead person? No, no, I wouldn't either. It's a hospital. There's people. I pr- I'd, I'd pretend I didn't see it. <laughs> I'll maybe like kick it so the guy can't see it <laughs> on the side that, of the curtain. Close that curtain again. Yeah, don't worry about it. And uh, he wanders his way back to uh, check on the doctor, who has just finished jumping off a balcony to his death. You see, I, yeah, that I don't understand. It's like, did the doctor <laughs> commit suicide, or has everyone lost their minds sufficiently that they're just falling over? Jordan and I have the same thought on this subject. I well, think. I don't know. I think he killed himself, but oh. I, I think he killed himself because the phone wasn't working, and that really upset him. <laughs> All right, we don't agree. I assumed. He just walked over there because he's blind and tripped and fell off the side of the balcony. He could have. And and this takes me to the larger point of this universe is that everyone's been blind for what? I don't know, six hours at this point? Yeah, Yeah, not long. Yeah, six hours and the phone lines are down. They establish later that like all the gas has gone out. Electricity. It's all like the entire world has collapsed in six hours. Yeah, (laughs) things things have gone bad real quick. It is. I, I did have that question too. I'm just like, I don't know. If everyone going blind, like your phones would still work. There's no reason the phone wouldn't work. Yeah, exactly. Because there's one guy who's got a lever that turns all phones on and he's blind and he accidentally pushed it to the off position and now he can't find the switch again. Are there switchboard operators in 1980? Is that what's happening? Yeah. And they're all just spinning around, jumping out windows. (laughs) Just jumping out windows. But yes, this is when Bill decides to dress all cool and get out of the hospital. Yeah. Now we finally meet a new character, Gisela. Peyton mm-hmm. or Joe or Joe as she goes by mm. which uh, is much better than Gisela is that even a name also is Joe short for Gisela she just because otherwise because <laughs> otherwise it's jizz <laughs> the spelling is J-O-S so <laughs> Joss. Joss Joss oh Joss isn't so bad oh I see I th- assumed it was Jess no no I, I know it's jizz no <laughs> yeah well you would uh it's J-O-S-E-L-L-A this is a classic British name classic famously the many Gisellas across all the Austin novels. <laughs> um, did you like that she was dressed as April O'Neil from the uh, 1980s I wrote, Turtle show? I wrote the exact same thing. <laughs> She's all one yellow jumper. Yeah. She can see because... Do you remember why she can see? Did you pick this up? I, I missed this, I think. Uh, she can see because she was so hungover yesterday, she yeah. took a bunch of sleeping pills and fell asleep at 4 p.m. And I was like, Joe, you've got a problem. That works, though, if you don't want to go blind from a possible meteor shower, whatever it is. You know what? To be fair, if you have a hangover, 
and you just take some sleeping pills, you're going to get right over it. I used to do it with Oxycontin all the time. It was great. <laughs> uh, she drives off from her home to uh, find a doctor for daddy, as yeah. she puts it. Yeah. It's my favorite part is she sees the word daddy. I'm like, oh, daddy. Um, and I like as she drives away, she knocks over a wheelbarrow. And I was just like, hmm, why did we get that shot of her knocking over a wheelbarrow? Well, it's weird because then she comes across the first time, first kind of sense we get that things are really going badly, as Nico mentioned, the first six hours of everyone being blind, because she gets attacked like almost immediately. Yeah, her car runs out of gas, which is, by the way, again, not not an instance of anything that has to do with with what's happened to blindness. It's just she just forgot to put gas in her car. This is a highly unreliable human being. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's. Her daddy should never have sent her for this doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah, she gets out. A couple of blind people are like, oh, hey, you're, I can hear you're driving a car. Will you take care of us? And then a really scruffy, bearded blind yeah. man comes up. He's like, don't listen to them. They're crazy. He's kind of like dismisses them. He's like, maybe I can help you. Maybe you and I can get together and do some work. And then he pulls a switchblade on her. Yeah. I Was that was that a switchblade? Cause it, yeah. Okay, it, from the angle that I saw, I thought it was just like a large splinter. <laughs> like no, I, th- was, I thought this was guy was just like blade. holding a, like a sharp piece of wood at her throat, and I'm like, I found oh. this wood on the ground. <laughs> no, as soon as he pulled it out, I was like, ah, England in the 1980s. <laughs> just switch blades. Yeah, just switch blades. I mean, how else does one shave? <laughs> I mean, that man never shaved. He he appeared bigger than Jordan's. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but he, he didn't look good. He didn't look like a smart bearded man. <laughs> oh, he was a dumb beard. He looked like a hooligan. No, he looked like uh, Brian Blessed. Oh, he you know? did look like yeah, Brian Blessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice call. Thank you. That's a British reference for the for the people. Out Anyways, there. he pulls a knife on her and he's like, he's like, get, get me food and drink. He, I believe he says, <laughs> now you've lost me. <laughs> he's like, you'll be my eyes now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we cut back to Bill and he's, he's now just wandering the city and his uh, aviator's on, just checking out the scene. Comes across a little girl who can also see, pretending to drive a car in front of her home. I, I like that. I like that there's possibly an apocalypse happening around her. And she's like, eh, whatever. I'm still going to go play. She's like, no one's going to stop me from uh, honking the horn of this car. But when she when he gets there to see that, well, you know, what's up with this little girl who can see, he kind of meets her, her two parents, both blind. The mom has fallen down in the shower that morning and yeah. smashed her face. Because she was blind. And everyone knows if you're blind, you fall in the bathtub. <laughs> That's just what happens. It was interesting because they have no water either. I don't know what she was doing. Just like holding buckets over her head? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. They don't have water. You're right. What was she doing in the bathtub? Maybe they still have water. Maybe that's the only the only uh, utility that's still mm-hmm. functioning. Uh, but the dad is uh, getting pretty desperate. He's worried about the neighborhood. It's full of hooligans, he says. And he's not sure what's going to happen once they all start coming out. He hasn't dressed up, though. No, well, he's no. blind. He can't anymore. Yeah. It's impossible for him to put on he's clothes. He's wearing his white vest. He's wearing a pretty tatty tank top at that <laughs> <Yeah>. point. <laughs> the world's falling apart. Like, it was perfectly clean yeah. six hours ago. <laughs> yeah, he looked like Bruce Willis about 90 minutes into Die Hard by that point. <laughs> he's begging Bill to stay with them and help them. And like a little too aggressively because Bill, Bill's just like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm going to go though. Maybe I don't want to stay here and help you. So this scene just went on forever it did go on too long i agree it, it went on so long because he's like well you've got a perfectly capable daughter who has two functioning eyes like i'm gonna peace out and then they keep negotiating for five minutes yeah. there's a real long negotiation and when bill finally decides to leave he's just like all right well uh when you, when you're done looking around uh can you please come back if, if you're still alive that is yeah 
Yeah, it, I mean, for a 25-minute episode, they dedicate like 10 yeah, minutes to do a conversation that goes I assume uh, the, guy, the guy in the undershirt was a real get for them. And they're like, we got to use it. We got to use him as much as we can. He's killing it. He's yeah. killing it. I like how much he lies to his wife and how much she she doesn't seem to believe him at all. He's just trying to protect his family. That's right. You know, because, uh, you know, her gentle female mind can't <laughs> handle the strain. Well, to be fair, she fell in a bathtub with no water in it. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'd lie to her too. <laughs> uh, Bilden uh, c- comes across a bunch of looters, blind looters, smashing open a grocery store, and uh, they're all trying to like get into cans and eat whatever's in cans. They- One woman's just eating a box of Tide on the side. That of the was road. my favorite yes. favorite part. I loved it. I loved that poor woman who's like, finally, I got something for myself. She thinks it's like a box of crackers or something, and it's Tide. The- people are like. So desperate, six hours yeah. in, it's crazy. And then, like, a gang of hooligans led by the one-sided hooligan comes along. I'm assuming he had taken a bunch of Ambien for his hangover I, also. Mm-hmm. I also had that question. Because mm. he's clearly just, like, I don't understand why him and his friends, his friends are blind, but he has somehow avoided it. And they're also just drunk. They're in, like, football scarves. They're drunk. Yes. It's, like, 9 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, did they come straight from a game? Like, <laughs> was it, you know, was there a game overnight that they're playing at? Maybe maybe that's what maybe you got so drunk he passed out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they're on the way to the the game, and it's it's still it's still gonna be played that night. It was just all blind players. That's my theory. <laughs> maybe, right. maybe. Right. I mean, I'd like to see. I mean, if this is a world where a doctor who turns blind immediately walks out of a window <laughs> because <laughs> he can't figure out where he is, I'd like to see yeah. that uh, that football game. Uh, but this this scene gets real dark real fast because the blind hooligans he's he's asking the sighted guys like what do you guys want from this store like we're walking by and they're like we want a woman he's like all right let me grab this one woman aside and we'll take her off with us and i'm just like oh what this is already getting really dark Mm. and bill's like hey don't do that he just gets like punched the fuck out like he doesn't put up a fight at all like bill just gets well i don't i think the the point is and it's maybe not choreographed very well is that he does try to save the woman yes but but, he sucks but he sucks and he just gets just beaten up badly and that's and that's it and then you're just left to think like, well, I guess she went off with them. Yeah. That's a dark mm-hmm. scene. You are left with just like, oh, oh, that's, this is starting off I mean, but I was impressed that it, it got that dark though. And like, I mean, look, yes, it, it does seem like things have broken down very quick in society, but I do like that they're, they're not at least shying away from how bad things are. I mean, this are. is, this show is going to be the road, apparently. Yeah. It's going right. to be like that level of darkness for, for, for a show about uh, comets in the sky and walking plants. It's going to get real dark. Is this like the book? Is it this dark in the book? Honestly, I can't. I can't remember. Is he the Cormac McCarthy of London? <laughs> <laughs> Wyndham is just like, oh man, his books. His books are pitch black. You guys you can't even read them. We catch up with Bill kind of after he's been knocked out. He's nursing a black eye. We're seeing the empty streets of London. Nobody's out. It's just him. We hear someone singing somewhere. There's like a woman singing an aria like through the streets or something. There's a lot of um, th- the these, sound these design. Episodes, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of just like people off the distance either crying or singing or doing something as, as just a way as a quick, real quick uh, shorthand to be like, something's happening over there. It's true. And uh, Bill will get quickly get his chance to make up for his failings with the last woman when he hears another woman screaming for help. So just going back, I, I really like the scene where he's walking through the empty streets of mm-hmm. London. Because uh, I was reading, and it's very clear that uh, did you see Twenty Eight Days Later? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's absolutely. It's a direct ripoff of this scene. I, I actually went and read that, and that was 
like a direct homage to this. Mm. That was that was what that was supposed to be was is a reflection of this. Well, I mean, this is very like I mean, this has all the tropes of a zombie film. Like mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. I'm just like I see them all, and I just found it really interesting that there's like this triffid idea has been remade over like this is i mean it basically seems like oh this is just zombies people love this idea because it's just zombies but we prefer it with like a plant that has a long tongue i mean it's it's an interesting idea but the thing is you still do have the zombies spoiling ahead because everyone once the blind apparently loses all motive function and everything else Mm -hmm. so you just see palms at all the windows yeah Yeah, i mean they are basically helpless kind of zombie like creatures for sure i mean Mm -hmm. they are still human and like cognizant but they're just incapable, I guess. Everyone's just, yeah. everyone's just driven by their most direct desire at that moment, it seems, right? So people are like, food. I need food right now, or I need a woman right now. And it's like, so that's how people are acting. Yeah, they're, they're kind of in a panic. Yeah, they're yeah. they're in a panic. But yeah, I, I did notice the same thing. I'm like, this is the opening of 28 Days Later. And I mean, shot similarly in some ways too, mm-hmm. like same landmark, same like clearly like early morning wide open streets. It was, yeah, it was interesting. I caught that too. Mm-hmm. The woman screaming that Bill needs to help though is Joe from earlier. Mm-hmm. She's been tied to a leash that the blind bearded man is leading her around on and he's caning her over a set of stairs. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was an <laughs> interesting development. Uh, I, it was very odd. Yeah, I'm not sure what his end game is because I get why he's tied himself to her. She can see, he can't. Yeah. She's going to lead him. But is she a racehorse? I think he, she must have disobeyed him. But also, like, yes, I get that, you know, he has a knife. But how was he able to find the equipment to essentially handcuff this I think he had able his pocket before he went blind. He <laughs> was all ready to go. Just, just a BDMS kit? Yeah. You know, BDSM? You mentioned this with the wife, too. The idea that it was, like, sarcastically, that it's a delicate feminine persona. But that seems to be the case also. Like, there's just, like, it seems like no reason Joe could not have got the upper hand in this. Like, this man is, like pretty clumsy he's totally blind i'm like i'm just like there's no way she couldn't have gotten away from this very slow very old man mm-hmm. <laughs> even with his switchblade switchblade and like caning her with a walking stick like <laughs> i know i it was just like you can you can overcome this guy yeah i think if you just like briskly walk away you might you, you might, might stand a snatch <laughs> yeah but if she does bill can't come save it's her. it's true and well bill can't fight a sighted man boy can he punch a blind man <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> He really makes up for it by beating up an old blind man. And I was yeah. just like, oh, Bill. He does deserve it, to be fair. He is a bad man. Regardless of his blindness. But it was the only fight Bill was ever in. <laughs> yeah. Once he saved Joe, they uh, they head to the local pub, which, uh, you know, that's a little... I was like, it's probably not a direct nod to Shaun of the Dead, but I was just like, all right, let's all go to the pub, I, I guess. I, he's really regained his masculinity at this point, you know, like mm-hmm. after getting beaten down in the, in the middle of the street. Well, I'll tell you, nothing makes you feel like a man like beating up a blind guy <laughs> beating up a blind guy and then taking the woman to the pub yeah like let's go to the pub now i feel good yeah let's yeah. get a, let's let's get a packet of crisps <laughs> they uh they have a nice chat they're really getting along they're really hitting it off really quickly we establish oh these two are gonna fall in love no problem mm-hmm. uh, i like they talk about she's like i need to go help my dad and she's like what's your story And he's like i'm an unmarried orphan i'm like what <laughs> he just announces that to her is that what like, he said yeah he just announces i'm an unmarried orphan and she's like okay he's like can i come with you she's like I guess so. I mean, you might as well, I guess. You have nowhere to be. I mean, is that, is that like the nice guy approach, but yeah. 30 years beforehand? Yeah, he's like, I'm he's an like, orphan. Listen, Aww. listen, I'm a nice guy. Uh, both my parents are dead. Uh, can I come back to your place? Yeah. I'd like to meet your daddy. 
so they uh, sort of take off from this pub and uh, head back to her place. They steal a car, I think, don't they? They steal a lot of cars. Well, that's the thing. I think they're always stealing cars. They don't really explain how they're doing it, but it's just sort of, well, they need a new car, so they just do. I think in the 80s, you just left your keys in the ignition and walked away from it. Yeah, the, ah, the 80s. <laughs> a much more trusting time. I, I blame Thatcher. <laughs> Am I right? Good. Am I right, people? Good good reference. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. It's people in uh, England are loving it. They're like, ah, Thatcher, she took our milk. <laughs> I, th- I think I think this is before Falklands, too. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. We're still on board. People are like, iffy, but, you know, they're waiting. They're waiting for the. Yeah. She's you know, not personable, but. She hasn't taken her milk or anything. Exactly. You know, all she did was lock some coal miners <laughs> out of their jobs for a year and a half. It's great. I, I would like that we just keep talking about Thatcher for the next 10 minutes. There's more references to things she did in the 1980s. <laughs> we finally, though, as they get back to Joe's house, get some Triffid action. Mm-hmm. It's been two long episodes. I've been waiting for some Triffid action to come And we back. get a great shot to start. It's like a, uh, the Triffid's a bit of a pervert. And it's just like peeking on them from like behind the bush and then just like like scuttles off. They're real sneaky, these yeah. triffids. Mm-hmm. They're, they're watching. They're waiting. We uh, we find out that the triffids have already killed Joe's housekeeper and her dad. Yeah. She doesn't seem to be worried about her housekeeper being blind earlier. This is the first time we hear about her housekeeper when we arrive and she's dead. And she's like, oh, also my housekeeper's dead. I, I think she forgot to check to see if she was also blind. <laughs> She was just upstairs. She was still trying to clean stuff, but blind. <laughs> just because her eyes went didn't mean yeah. her hands didn't. <laughs> Get to work. Um, one of these triffids, as they're sort of like staring through a window at the dead father, kind of finally emerges from the bushes and like trundles over to it. And you know what? I like watching them move. It's a I fun, do too. It's very fun watching them because they're like giant puppets. They're so big. It's so weird to watch them like tumble around and like try to like maneuver. The uh, Triffids comes after Joe, but uh, Bill, that's his Bill. name, distracts him and like he gets in a fight with the Triffid with a, with a, he finds a, is it, was uh, it, do you use a, a pitchfork or do you use like a spade or something It's like, like a that. pitchfork or something he's found and like he battles this Triffid and they kill it and then more Triffids start coming out of the woodwork and Joe sort of just like, hey, I think they're listening to us. Did you catch this? Like they start talking about the idea that the Triffids were listening and wait, like they had planned mm-hmm. some sort of surprise attack. Yeah, well, because uh, first of all, there's like a whole pack of them. There's like four or five of them. And yeah, I think they had gone away and then heard that they had arrived. And that's what she clocks in on. Mm, okay. Is that, is, is that they've walked in and she's made a couple gasps here and there. I yeah, mean, they're speaking out loud. She's just had as much information as the other guy who's decided they're you know, talking with each other. Or that they just go for the eyes. People are just making very... Very uh, quick assumptions. Well, the, the talking I'll allow, because first of all, it very clearly sounds like a very deep dolphin speak. You know, <laughs> That's a so, good description. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like that echo, echo location. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Jordan, know. Jordan's yeah. still skeptical about this. I'm whole skeptical. Thing. I'm not reading that book. <laughs> By Jordan what's, is, name, what's his name? Walter? What's his name? Dwayne Wyndham. No, no, no. That guy. The guy who wrote the book in the in the show. Oh, Walter. Walter. <laughs> Walter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, there's a quick battle with the Triffids here. They get off. They escape once more in the car. They are just constantly running from every situation they get into. Mm-hmm. And we kind of end up seeing like a little more of the streets of London. We see like some woman being menaced by a Triffid and they just drive faster. Well, well sorry, you, Bill actually gets hit in the face again by a Triffid. Oh, that's true. He does. Yeah, he gets he? hit in the face again. And, he, and then, then they cut off the, the pistol. 
And they're like, oh, ran out of venom, I guess. That's right. It, it was so busy killing their dad that it ran out of venom. You're right. <laughs> exactly. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> it was so busy feasting on the housekeeper oh, and the funny. dad. I didn't even put the, the connection between those two that he says just very bluntly. He's like, oh, it must have ran out of poison, killing other people. And like 10 feet from him is just her father just like <laughs> just riddled with poison. He's like, I wonder what. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, too this, soon. this is also 10 seconds after, you know, she's trying to mourn and grieve yeah, over her, so her father's corpse. And he's like, no time. I've got to go. <laughs> and I like that he just gets hit in the eye so much. He's just like constantly getting smacked around by these triffids. Yeah. And no, this, this is a guy who like did this professionally. Like, well, he's only good at fighting blind people. That's, that's it. true. His only skill set. Yeah. He was probably uh, encumbered by his fly ass uh, suit and tie outfit. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is true. It's not the most like you can't, you don't want maneuverability in it. Mm-hmm. It's just for picking up ladies <laughs> and it's going great. <laughs> yeah. So far he's one for one. It's true. But this is kind of, they flee that scene. You kind of get some more shots of London and people being menaced by triffids. And they get basically caught in the road with a truck that's kind of blocking the entire road. It's, I guess, a grocery store truck. It's full of groceries anyway. And it's surrounded by blind people as they pull groceries off the back of this truck. Mm -hmm. And this is that zombie scene you mentioned earlier where they surround the car and start like slapping it with their hands, being like, who's in there? Can you see? Give us your eyes. Yeah. They're like demanding. They're like, surrounded like banging there and they're so afraid they're too afraid i know i would just like i'm like just step on it yeah Dr- drive over these people that's precisely my same thought is like just keep driving well no i think they show that they get stuck on the curb on the, yeah. on the, yeah. Yeah, on the curb a little bit which again i because I, I watched watching that back i was like couldn't he have just like backed up and driven around but instead he tries to like sneak around all of the blind people and get stuck yeah it, there's i there's a lot of even when they surrounded them, they're like, "Oh no, they're gonna get us!" I'm like, "Just get out of the car!" And when they grab you, be like, "No, no, I'm not them. I'm also one of you blind people. They're still in the car. Like they don't know. They're not gonna be able to tell you're wrong." <laughs> that is like, true. I oh, no, no, no. I'm also blind. I'm all yes. I yeah. is that you? Who is that? Ha ha! Fooled you. I mean, they're not gonna know the difference. Yes, yeah, right. But like, this is the cliffhanger of this episode. It's like, are this gang of blind people surrounding the car gonna get them? Yeah. Such such. Uh, what what is your favorite saying, Jordan? Stakes have never been higher. Stakes have never been higher. <laughs> um, but it is kind of like where it wraps up. Is like they're being menaced now. They've got together. They're being menaced by blind people. And like, where will this show take us next? We'll only find out. I'm hope you know, hopefully out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> not not just sitting in the car with more flashbacks. <laughs> I think we're through with the flashbacks. I think so yeah. too. Do you guys have any final thoughts on these episodes? Anything we didn't cover? We'll maybe sort of like talk through the the recap of them. Anything you desperately need to get out? I just think there's a they do a, a thing that remind me a lot of doctor who but whenever something ominous happens they do this very high-pitched whine oh yeah yeah like they do it the first time you hear it is where he's like they feed me breakfast at 7 a.m and then it the camera pans oh, right. to the yeah. alarm clock and it's 10 to 8 and it's like <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh that's highly dramatic this man is waiting 50 minutes for his breakfast while also having a fruit plate next to <laughs> yeah, his bed. True. I did clock that later. I'm yeah. like, there's a whole fruit plate of fruit right there. You could miss it because they, you know, at one point the camera, he has him in profile, but then zooms out to behind this massive stack of grapes. So like you're viewing the only person in the scene behind like this vine of grapes <laughs> while he's complaining about how he hasn't been fed. I, you know what? Over That's the course of Bill. these mm. two episodes, almost everybody's primary concern is eating something. Whether it's Bill and his breakfast, every blind person is just like desperate to eat. Like, 
they've been blind for six hours. You probably have food at home, right? Like, well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if, if you actually think about it, you know, a little thought experiment, as it were, and in your now, like tonight, you go blind. The first thing you're gonna do, like, obviously, that'd be very um, traumatic, traumatic, and scary, and you'd be panicky. But I don't think the first thing I would think of is like, oh, I'm also really hungry. <laughs> like, I just, I don't think that would be your normal response. Like, I mean, I know they want people in these zombie like fashions and people being very you know ruled by their id as it were but uh but yeah like hunger is hunger the number one thing it does feel like and i mean this is actually like 28 days later too like that starts off of as a man waking up in a hospital and then wandering out into the streets like that's the exact start of the show what they really wanted was like this should probably be like a week later or two weeks later when it's starting but they're starting it the next day and they kind of stepped on the gas as far as the panic but it's like oh you know three days yeah. too soon you're, you're right it probably could be a lot of this could be solved by like he wakes up you've been you've been in you you're know, in, he's a been in the hospital for, for yeah. two weeks so now it's been two weeks of people panicking but yes it's like it's literally the night before so <laughs> everyone calm down a little bit you'll get it your does, fruit loops it doesn't stand up necessarily to a lot of scrutiny but yeah uh, what are you gonna do i was actually thinking about i was like watching this and i was obviously thinking about 20 days later but i was like oh yeah remember that remember that book and movie blindness i'm like I do, yeah. i'm like yeah. that's another movie about the world going blind and then i realized apple plus the tv station the t- new apple's new tv show they have a show starring Jason Momoa called C about a post-apocalyptic world where everyone is blind. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, man, people love the idea of the world going blind. They're really into it. I didn't know this was a subgenre of things, but I'm like, people love it. But it's funny, uh, in the movie Blindness, it's the same thing. It, like, all the blind are kind of locked into this... Yeah, they're like... M- psychiatric hospital, yeah, almost? Yeah, sort of concentration or not concentration camp but like uh some sort of like mm-hmm. you know camp they're put into yeah but even like even in that they're kind of abandoned and then one of them gets a gun and it gets all very yeah very, you know kind of rapey and pillagey very quickly absolutely i mean yeah, yeah. that's that, that's it's so funny I, I i've read the book and i've seen the movie and i'm just like there must be some this feels like a spin off of this idea like the guy read triffids and was like I really like this, but I don't like the Triffids part. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in what happens if everyone was blind. Because it, it's so similar. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like this the kickoff and kind of even what happens feels very similar. What if the monster is the human inside of us all? <gasps> and not a walking plant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I like it better with a walking plant. Yeah, me too. Sorry, Soviet walking plant. <laughs> oh, it couldn't be more menacing. Probably just that the, the oil was just too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> How can you stop using it? All right. You guys want to rate these episodes? Mm-hmm. Sure. Let's do part one first. We usually do it. I don't know if you know this. Out of 10, mm-hmm. 10 star rating. Yeah. Where do you want to go with ep- with part one? Well, what's your what's your escape pod level? I don't want to I don't want to oh, tank oh, it off the get go. It won't happen. Uh, yeah, I, we we usually fall if we fall way below like below five basically. Got you. Although that's a big reveal for what you're going to rate. Well, here. no, no, I, yeah, because I don't, yeah, I don't want to tank it. It's just the first episode is you can just. Tank it, it's fine. Well, the the I, I, the first episode, nothing happened. It's just all exposition. It's all a guy talking into a voice recorder with a couple of flashbacks, which Jordan loves, uh, and then yeah, and then the episode ends. So I don't know. I'll give the first one. I'll, I'll give the first one a five. Five. Jordan, what do you think? I agree. Not a lot happens. It's all set up. For whatever reason, I sort of forgave that all because I was invested in, I thought it was a, an interesting idea. So the whole, even flashbacks and stuff didn't really annoy me as much. So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Uh, this show really tickled me. I, I was very much enjoying it. It's 
like it's dumb and like it's mm-hmm. easy to poke holes in. But oh man, I was having a great time watching it. I- I'm gonna go all the way up to an eight. Good for you. Now part two when he finally leaves the hospital. You see, you see now, now, now the hot racing action really, <laughs> now it really, really gets it. going. I'll give this one an eight. Oh now, wow! You, you know, big turnaround. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Let's give it an eight and a half. Let's Ooh, give it. Holy you know, moly! Well, just the extra half because I mean, as we were talking about, so many things have paid homage to. Right, the sort of the you know the guy coming out of the hospital and everything's gone to shit. Absolutely, um, yeah. Jordan, I'm actually gonna go very close. I'm also giving this an eight. An I, eight. I, wow. I liked it too. And again, there are definitely some problems in this. Like Nico mentioned it before, the scene with the guy in his vest took way too much time of the episode, and it's not perfect and it's kind of cheesy. But there's something very watchable and just fun about this, and it's like it could not be a more enjoyable like 25 minutes of your time. Yeah, I mean, I definitely enjoyed it. I actually, I felt the promise of the first episode wasn't entirely paid out. It's still pretty fun, the second episode, but I was I like, I was like, ah, stop talking to this guy in his house. Let's keep going. Don't, like, let's not spend too much time looking at Joe in this pub and like, but I still like really enjoyed it. So I, I actually, I'm going to drop mine to 7.5, but I just felt like it could have pushed the, the gas down a little harder on it, but I, I still very much enjoyed it. I, this show's, this show's hitting me in the right place, you guys. I'm really <laughs> liking it. All right. That about wraps it up for the for the episode. Nico, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure to uh, add uh, a new voice to the podcast from uh, Britain, so we get a much better uh, accent than we usually have. <laughs> okay, well, that's what I we're do. hoping. We're just hoping for your accent. I was about to say none of this is real. Uh, this was all <laughs> done for the podcast. Yeah, oh yeah, what's your real voice sound like? Oh no, no, I can't, <laughs> I can't divulge that. <laughs> that that takes away all of my charm. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was a pleasure having you on. It was nice. Uh, it was nice hearing someone who actually kind of knows about this world a little bit because uh, I was coming in blind. I didn't even know this was a popular idea. So the fact that you were like, "Oh yeah, I know all about this." Yeah, it was. Uh, it was good to have. Mm-hmm. Jordan, pleasure as always. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to see some clips from the show, we're gonna have some uh, all kinds of Triffid stuff. We're gonna have so many clips of Triffid's tongue shooting out. Yeah, them walking around. Probably a blind doctor jumping off a roof. Probably a lot of clips of that guy uh, trying to convince uh, Bill not to leave his house. Yeah, we're just going to have a long 25-minute <laughs> clip of that <laughs> happening. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Continuum Drag. And, of course, you can uh, write to us at continuumdrag at gmail.com if you have any, any things you really need to share with us via email. But that wraps it up. So, Jordan, see you next week. See you then. Uh, Jordan, this is for you. Danger Mouse. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.